We just want to welcome you here this morning. And we intend to worship God and give Him glory. He's our audience here this morning. So why don't you go with me uh, to Him in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. And we can rejoice and be glad in it. And Lord, I do rejoice. I rejoice in you. I rejoice in knowing that we stand on the rock that is not shaken. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we just, we want to worship you this morning. So sing with us. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your
God is good. We got, we got snow and all kinds of things going on, but that doesn't change God. That's right. Aren't you glad that God doesn't change? He never changes. I want to encourage you this morning with a passage of Scripture out of Revelations 12. And this, is a, this is an event that uh, is future, and yet it's also indicative of what we're looking at right now too in many ways and I just want to read this to you and war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought with the dragon the dragon and his angels fought but they did not prevail they did not prevail and nor was any place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That word overcame, it literally means to subdue, to conquer. That's how we subdue the enemy, is with the blood of the Lamb and the power of what he accomplished on the cross. And it's time for us to rise up as the body of Christ and begin to be the people that God has called us to be. No longer can we just sit back and say, oh, well, we need to stand for the truth and stand for what God wants and, and press in and begin to say, yes, Lord, it is only by you and by your blood. Yes. And we stand in the victory. Yes. I love that verse, we, that one line of that song we were singing, Lydia, it says, you silence the boast of sin in the grave. We've got all these voices coming out right now, and all these things are being said and done, and yet our Christ has silenced all of that. Yes. He overcame them. He subdued them yes. by the blood of the Lamb, and so that's what we're going to do as well. And we're going to celebrate Jesus this yes. morning. We are going to worship, lift up the name of Jesus. And as we do that, He's going to come, and He's going to speak to us. He's going to touch us. He's going to heal us. He's going to deliver us. Amen. He's going to refresh us. Whatever you need this morning, it's all in Him. Thank you, Jesus. That's how we subdue the enemy. That's yes. how we begin to see all the things that God has promised Hallelujah. come to pass in our life as we stand yes. in faith in the Word of God. So, Lord, come this morning. We worship you and exalt you, and we thank you, Lord, yes. that you are here to meet our needs and to change us in your presence. In Jesus' name, let's worship.
song to us at least <coughs> called the well just battle belongs when all I see is the battle let's try it again when all I see is the battle you see my victory when all I see is the mountain you see a mountain and as I walk through the shadow your love surrounds me
shadow, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. An almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. battle belongs to our God. Amen. At the foot of the cross where grace and suffering meet you have shown me And you've won my heart, and you've won my heart. Now I can trade these ashes into beauty, and wear forgiveness like a crown, coming to kiss the feet of mercy. I lay every burden down at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the cross, where I am made complete. Thank you, Jesus. You have given me life through the death you And you've won my heart. Now I can trade these ashes into beauty and wear forgiveness. 
looks like a crown Coming to kiss the feet of mercy I lay every burden down Trade these ashes into beauty And wear forgiveness like a crown Coming to kiss the feet of mercy, I lay every burden down. I lay every burden down. I lay every burden down at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me a sinner condemned unclean how marvelous
ذريعة That is such a foundational thing that uh, if we can understand God's great love for us, we could shout and dance and sing for all eternity and it would never be enough to repay or even begin to show our gratitude for his great love for us. Lord, this morning, I thank you that you called us when we were sinners. You called us when we were rebels you loved us when we were your enemies and you have continued to love us and call us into your presence in times of failure on our part in times of resistance to to hear you or follow you even the times when we're we think we're getting it all right Lord you are always inviting us and calling us into your presence because of your great love for us. And I thank you for that. Help us to see. Reveal that great love to us this morning, Lord. Help us to comprehend what is the length and breadth and depth and height of your great love, Lord. It's, it's more than our little finite minds can understand, and yet you want to reveal more and more of that to us so that we can grow in our knowledge of you and and who you are and who we are in you, Lord. I thank you that you have called us out of a, a world of darkness and you called us into the kingdom of your dear son, into the light, kingdom of light. And we are no longer operating in the kingdom of darkness. You have overcome and we can overcome and subdue by the blood of the lamb. And the word of our testimony is that you are God and that we are in you. So Lord, I thank you that you're here this morning. I thank you that you're here to speak to us. You're here to touch, refresh us, and challenge us. Each one of us, Lord, we need to hear from you. It's not more information that we need. We need to hear your voice, your word. We need to hear your love. It would reach and touch every part of our lives, Lord, everywhere that we are broken everywhere that we're hurting everywhere that that we're disjointed out of out of joint and out of out of alignment with everything that you have created us to be lord heal us this morning restore us lord god restore our souls heal the wounds in us so deep in our hearts and minds lord we we have hurts and wounds and failures and we remember and think about our past and we fear our future. We, we're always thinking about our problems, but Lord, help us to see our solution, to see that it's you. It's all wrapped up in your provision for us, Lord. And when we see you as you are, it changes everything. So this morning, Lord, speak to us at every personal level that we have a need, Lord, I, I just ask that you speak and reveal yourself to us so that we would hear your voice clearly, hear what you're saying. And for our struggles and problems, Lord, you are the solution, and we say yes to you, yes to your will, Lord. Fill us with your peace and your joy 
and your love and give us that great hope and expectation that, that you are going to deliver us. And we know that you will deliver us. One way or another, we will be delivered. I thank you for that promise, Lord, that you are with us all the way to the very end and you'll never leave us. And we will be delivered one day in complete and thorough victory. And we will live and rule and reign with you forever. And there will be nothing that can change that. And so, Lord, give us your great grace now to just stay the course and to love you and trust you and stand. And no matter what comes, to continue to stand. Let our faith be encouraged this morning, Lord. We look around at our nation and we see all the, the confusion and chaos and the things that are going on. And Lord, I, I just ask for mercy. We as your people humble ourselves and we ask that you forgive us for allowing wickedness to rule and reign in this nation, Lord. We ask that you forgive us for allowing laws to be put into action that would approve of things that are an abomination in your sight. Lord, cause us as your people to rise up and to intercede and to, to take a stand for truth and righteousness. We'd no longer sit back and just idly watch wicked men do wicked things and do nothing. But help us to pray and to intercede and to, to do the things that we can on whatever level that might be, Lord. Stir our hearts and cause us to rise up and be the body of Christ, that we would be the light and the salt in this dark world. Lord, I pray that you touch this nation, bring healing and health spiritually, first of all, that truth would, would be accepted rather than lies, that we would have the wisdom to see through lies and deception and we would see truth and we would act in truth, Lord. That people would, would be held accountable for lies and deception. Those in our government and the courts and different places where judgments have been made that are, that are against the law of this land, Lord, I pray that you would cause that to be exposed, that every lie and deception would be exposed, and everyone who is guilty would be exposed and brought to justice. Those who are innocent have been falsely accused, Lord, I pray that you would exonerate them fully. And Lord, for this virus that we're facing. I pray that you cause that thing to just wither up, yes. die, and be gone in Jesus' name. And those that are sick, that they'd be healed. And those that are, that are infected, that they would be reserve, preserved and uh, restored completely, Lord. And those who have recovered, let them have the full recovery with no ongoing symptoms or problems. Lord, give us wisdom to see how you're working in all these situations. And I don't want to get my eyes on men. I don't want to feel like that there is a failure because a man didn't do something or did do something. We are focused on you, Lord. Our hope and our trust is in you. And I know you work through people, but you are God, and you alone can heal this nation. You alone can change the path that we're on. You alone can change the hearts of men and women. And so, Lord, we call on you. We trust you. Heal us. Restore us. Cause a great revival and awakening to come on this land, Lord, that we would begin to turn back to the living God. That we would see that you alone can satisfy the longing inside of us. That you alone can fulfill us. That it's not in, 
in money or success or fame or any of those things, Lord, it's, it's only you that can satisfy the longing in our heart. The world tries to satisfy, but it falls short. It's only you, Lord. Help us to see that as a nation so that we return to you, the living God, return to your ways, return to the truth of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you can do this. We cry out for your mercy in Jesus' name. Lord, as we continue to, to open your word this morning and talk about you and who you are and how we relate to you, Lord, I pray that you would give us revelation and insight so that, that we would hear what we need to know today for the situations that we face as individuals and as families, or that you would speak to us, reveal your truth to us so that we would be encouraged and we'd be strengthened for the journey ahead, Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Okay, um, now let's get into the Word. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. And um, we're going to start in... Verse 15, and we're going to read, read through this, and I don't know how much we're going to do when we actually discuss the different words, but uh, Colossians 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell." And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, we talked about verse uh, 15 last week, but I wanted to read it because it, uh, it helps, helps you understand the rest of the verses. Verse 16, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Now, these, uh, these words, thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers, they, uh, they occur, most of them occur multiple times in the Scripture, and they, they have very similar meanings. They're all talking about... Uh, influences in in the world demonic influences they can also be referring to godly uh, power and influence and so paul uses them both ways he talks about god in some of these very same ways he talks about uh the demons and uh and spiritual wickedness in some of these same ways and so we're going to read a few verses and discuss some of these and hopefully it'll it'll make more sense to you um the Bible says that angels who are greater in power and might 
do not bring a reviling accusation against dignitaries before the Lord. And so angels have power and might. Angels, the spirit beings, they were created by God, but they do have a certain amount of power and might. They're not omnipotent. They're not God, but they do have some power and might. And so we know from reading the scripture that there was a time when uh, Lucifer, or Satan, was in heaven, and he was one of, you know, one of the chief angels. The Bible is not real clear about all that. Some people say there's three archangels, and he was one of them. The Bible doesn't really say that specifically. It just it talks about Michael and Gabriel as being, they were actually the only angels that had been named by name, other than the angel of the Lord, and that was probably Jesus, uh, pre-incarnate Christ. But Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer, that would be the interpretation if you go with that archangel theory, that there were three angels in charge of all the heavenly hosts, and Satan, or Lucifer, defected, rebelled, took a third of the angels with him. We know that from Scripture, that there were angels that went with him, and so, just think about this in relation to, to these different uh, words, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, there's all kinds of descriptions about these forces of evil that are a part of Satan's bunch. So, in our country, and I'm, believe me, I'm not saying anything about civil wars or I'm just using this as an analogy so you'll understand. But if, if we were to have right now a third of all of our military just say, we rebel, we're defecting, we're not going to obey the president, we're not going to do what our government is saying, we're going to rebel. And so within that third, you would have some generals, you'd have, you know, all kinds of ranks of officers, you'd still have your, you know, your privates and your PFCs and all that, you know. You'd have all categories of the military. But those that, that defect, <clears throat> they would not continue to have the full faith and power and backing of the federal government and the president and all that goes with the United States of America. Now, they, could, they would have their skills. They would have a certain amount of uh, weapons and tools because that's what they controlled. They could take that with them probably. And they could begin to influence people. They could get wealthy people that believe like they to, to start you know, giving money. And they could begin to, to create their own weapons and their own resources that they could fight with and do things with. But you realize there's still, it's one-third against two-thirds, and it's one-third that has limited power versus two-thirds and the full faith and power of the United States of America. And if you think about that now in a, in a spiritual realm, that's really what we're talking about. These thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, those are the different ranks of angelic beings. They've got some power, but it's, it's, not, it's not like God's power. It's limited. And the two-thirds of the angels that still are serving the Lord and uh, doing his bidding, they've got power, and they've got those same ranks, and they've got the same qualities, but they're using their powers and their strength and their force for good. 
whereas the demons are using it for, for bad or for evil. And so in the spiritual realm, the, the enemy is definitely limited. God has all power. The enemy has some power, but it's very limited in relation to what God has. And I think sometimes we, we give the devil way too much credit because we don't understand all this like we ought to. And there's a lot of things that you, when you read the scripture, it doesn't tell you specifically that principalities are greater than powers or that dominions are greater than thrones. You know, I don't know when Paul said this, and we're going to read these verses, but he, he lists these things out multiple times, and they're not always in the exact same order. And sometimes he uses one word, sometimes he uses another. I think he's just saying, you know, these things are out there. But it doesn't really matter what they are or how you line them up because God is over all, and he has put all those things under the feet of Jesus Christ. And so... That's the key that we need to focus in on is the fact that, that we have the victory already. The battle is the Lord's, and he will win the battle. We don't have to always fight. I, I was sharing with Brian this morning in the prayer room. We do have to always put on the, the weapons and the armor, and we have to go to the battlefield. Even when God won the victory, and the people of Israel never had to even lift a, a sword, they still had to go to the battlefield. You have to be engaged in the battle. You've got to go, and you need to be going just like they did. Most of the time, they would send the worshipers first. They'd send the praisers out. They'd carry the banners out. They'd be rejoicing, and they'd be singing, singing, you know, great is our God. How great is our God? Come on, sing with me. How great is our God? They would be worshiping God. And when they would go to battle praising, sometimes when they got to the actual battlefield, the enemy would already be all dead on the ground. All they had to do was just go out and pick up everything. Woohoo! That's the kind of battle I like. But sometimes they had to actually engage in the battle. And some of those times, when they started engaging the battle, God confused the enemy, and the enemy turned and ran. They just went after him and just chasing them and just killing them and slaughtering them. And, you know. Other times, they went to the battle, and they had to fight. And they fought, and they fought, and they fought. And sometimes, they would begin to lose. Like when Moses held his hands up, they were in the battle. And when he held his hands up, they were winning. He got tired, and he put his hands down. And then they started losing. And Aaron and Hur came, and they helped him hold his hands up. They put a rock on him and set him down and said, we'll help you. There is a lot to learn from that because we are in a battle all the time, a spiritual battle. There is a warfare going on. And if you don't realize that, you're probably losing. If you don't know you're in a battle, you don't have a very good chance for success. If you know you're in a battle, then you know you have to be sharp. You've got to stay engaged. You know, you've got to be looking, always being vigilant. If, you, if you're engaging the enemy and they're entrenched, and they're hiding out, and they're concealed, and they're just waiting for you like snipers. You know, I mean, if you just walk in there, doop, 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 you're just going to get wiped out. But if you go in and you're cautious and you're careful, I mean, you're not fearful, but you're just watching. you got your eyes open. You understand that the enemy is out there. 
When you engage the enemy in that way, you can be successful. God can, can already be winning the victory for you. You don't have to see everything or understand everything. You just have to realize that it's there, and you've got to be engaged in the battle. So let's read some of these words. Um, the word throne is actually thronos, and it means a ruler is understood by the chair of their state. In other words, because you have a throne, then you occupy that throne. That means you're a ruler. This word, is, it's only used this one time in all the scripture, thronos. So it's just another way of saying a ruler or a chief, a, you know, a person that is in charge of something. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, it says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he, what is the exceeding greatness of his power, his authority, his exousia, according to the working of his mighty power, his mighty power, his powerful might, however you want to say that, it's two words that are similar. It's, uh, I think it's kratos and iskus, and those basically means dominion and might, or power and might, force or ability. They're just words describing strength and power. But his power and might is over all of the power and might of the enemy. It's over all the principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. In other words, every throne, every chair, every ruler, every, every person who is someone, they are all nothing compared to the name of Jesus Christ because he rules and reigns over everything. Ephesians 3, 9 through 11 says to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, the body of Christ, the church, is supposed to manifest God's power and glory in such a way that the principalities and powers and evil forces would see it and know that God rules and reigns because he is working it in and through us. We, as the body of Christ, are supposed to be manifesting God's power in such a way that it makes it known to all the principalities and powers in the heavenly places that God is in charge, that Jesus Christ rules and reigns. Ephesians 6:10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, in the authority of his dunamis. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against 
spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 1 Corinthians 15. Then the end comes when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. You understand, we live in a broken, fallen world. Now, God has put all things under Jesus' feet. That's what the Bible tells us. It's clear. It is done. But that is a, it is a positional type description that it is done in the heavenly realm. It is, it is an actual event that took place. But we live in a world that is ruled by Satan. He is the ruler of this world. And we are learning how to take back the dominion that we lost in the fall. And so as God's people, we are learning how to walk in that revelation and understanding that all things are under Jesus' feet. And because they're under his feet, they should be under our feet as well. But, but it's a struggle because we live in a fallen world. And so it's an ongoing battle. Every day, we've got to be engaged in this battle. Every day, we've got to be thinking in terms of the fact that we are living in a world that is under Satan's sway. That's what the Bible says. He is the ruler of this world. We're supposed to be taking back what he took from Adam and Eve. And so, in, in this sense, there's going to come a day when we are with the Lord in eternal glory that he will be ruling and reigning over everything, not just in a positional sense, but it will be in a physical sense as well. Right now, we can live in that physical rule and reign by faith, and we can experience it just like we experience the abundant life. It's by faith. We walk in that by faith. And the more you walk in faith, the more you see God do things, the more you trust God to do more things, and then you begin to see that God really is ruling and reigning, that Satan really is under our feet, just as he's under Jesus' feet. But we have to learn to walk that out. It doesn't just happen automatically. Because we live in a fallen world. The world is not redeemed. You and I have been redeemed, but the world hasn't been redeemed. And we still have this ongoing spiritual battle that we're involved in every day. Colossians 2, 8 through 10. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He is the head of all principality and power. All principality and power is under his feet because he is the head of all things. Now, Colossians 2, 13 through 15, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing 
over them in it. Jesus disarmed, he subdued, he put them under his feet, all principalities and powers through his cross. That's how he did it. He nailed all those things to his cross that were against us, that were contrary to us. The, the old covenant, the law that we could not fulfill, the accusations of the enemy that we cannot refute, all the things that the enemy has done in our lives, Jesus nailed all that to the cross with him and said, I am disarming all of these things. I'm taking all the way. I'm subduing it. I'm putting it under my feet. And I suggest to you, church, that we need to learn just like Joshua did. He took all the rulers of Israel. And when he defeated a king, he got that king and he put him on the ground. And he put his foot on his neck. And he said, okay, now, you, Joe, you come here and put your foot on his neck. Hey, Fred, come here and put your foot on his neck. He called every one of the rulers up there and he said, put your foot on his neck. I want you to understand that we have defeated this guy. He is under our feet and he has been defeated. And that's what God wants us to understand is that in the spiritual realm, this is not something that we're hoping and dreaming. It's done. It's done. We just need to learn to step out in faith and say, you are ruling and reigning, and I'm going to let you rule and reign in my life, and I'm going to begin to take the authority, the authority that you've given me as a delegated representative of your kingdom, I'm going to begin to act in that authority. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I give you all power. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's given us authority or jurisdiction to operate within the kingdom and do the things that we need to do. He actually says in one verse, I think it's Mark uh, 3.15, he says that he's given, he's given us power and authority. The two words, exousia, authority or jurisdiction, and power, dunamis, the strength and the might, the ability to do it. So he's given us the authority to use the power he's given us the authority or the jurisdiction to use all the power of the kingdom so if you go back to my analogy of the united states military those two-thirds that stayed true to the nation and, and are still under the commander-in-chief they have the jurisdiction to enforce the laws of the land and they also have the power. They have the full backing of the United States government. They have the weapons. They have the ability to go out and act on behalf of the government and subdue the rebels. That's all we're talking about in the spiritual realm. We've got a bunch of rebels. We've got some demons that were rebels. And they lied and they deceived and they cheated Adam and Eve so that they believed the lie and they allowed allowed him to take the rule and dominion from them that was over this earth. And God is restoring that. He has restored it positionally in Christ, and he is restoring it in us, and there will be a day where it will be fully restored. Paul said, I have been delivered, I am being delivered, and I will yet be delivered. It's, a, it's an ongoing process. It's a reality in one sense, it's something that we're experiencing 
right now in one sense, and there is a time when it's going to be totally fulfilled and we're going to be glorified, and that's going to be another sense. It's an ongoing thing. So it's, it's yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, it's, it's past, present, and future. We're always on this path of abundant living. We're on this path of being totally redeemed and restored. He has made us into a new creation, something like we never were before, and yet we have an old nature that's still hanging around. We have all of our memories and our past and all that is in, in our life. And so even though we've been made into a new creation, we still have to make all things new. And that is a process that happens through God's Word and the Holy Spirit applying the truth of the Word and, and we applying ourselves and saying yes to the Lord. Uh, we sing that song. I, I choose to give my yes to you today. Today I choose. And that's the ongoing process. Every day we choose to give our yes to the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to let you speak into my life. I'm willing to let you tell me the things that I need to change, the things that you want to correct, the things you want to heal, the things you want to redeem and restore. All of those things, we need to be open and saying yes to the Lord on a daily basis. So now let's talk about some of these words. Uh, thrones, have we gone over that? Dominions. The word is kuriotes. It means ruler or authority. It's a person who exercises administrative control over others. So if you have dominion, then you have the ability to control the people that are in your dominion. And like I said, Satan basically is the ruler of this world and so he has dominion in this, in this earthly realm. But when we become believers, when we become redeemed, then we step into this new role. We are not just the same person that we always were under the dominion of the devil. But now we've been redeemed and the devil is under our feet and we have dominion over him in Christ. It is restored in us. But we've got to learn to walk that out. It doesn't, just, it doesn't just happen automatically because you have to have faith and you have to understand what you have and who you are. The other word that we're talking about here, principalities. The word is arche. It means uh, beginning or ruler. Any supernatural being besides God. And it's an acting in a ruling or commanding capacity good or evil. So there could be a, a principality or principalities for good or evil. A, a principality is someone who is in, uh, you know, we have all these different things and then we've got the federal level, all that again. We got it in the court systems. You know, you got the, the justice of the peace and you got the regular courts and then you got the district courts and then you got the circuit uh, courts and then you got the supreme courts and you got the, the Supreme Court. So all those things, we, we ought to be able to understand how different levels of power operate. And there is an authority and there is a jurisdiction and a power that, that is represented by each of them. But I am not going to, to attempt to tell you that a principality is more 
significant than a power or a dominion. I'm not going to get into anything like that because I don't think you can. I don't think you can really tell that for sure from the scripture. I know there are different levels of demonic forces. There are different levels of angelic forces. But to try to to describe all those and who they are, um, you know, Daniel prayed a prayer and and the angel was dispatched and he said, "I would have been here a lot sooner, but I I got into a big battle up there in the heavenlies. You know, the prince of Persia was fighting until." Until I got some help, you know, I couldn't come through. So the Prince of Persia is evidently a demonic force that was over a region or something, a regional, maybe that was a principality, I don't know. All I'm saying is, it's all out there, but you cannot absolutely ascertain from Scripture any more beyond what we're just saying in general terms. And we don't really need to know it anyway. If you want to do battle with with uh, demonic forces, do battle. But I don't think you absolutely have to know every name and every uh, rank and all that just because they're all under Jesus' feet. All the principalities and powers, dominions and thrones, they're all under his feet. And if they're under his feet, then we don't need to be that concerned about it. We need to be concerned about what God is saying to, to us to do and to believe and to act accordingly. The next word is powers. That's exousia. That means uh, an authority or jurisdiction or a ruler. A person who exercises administrative control over others. So I, I guess you figured it out now. All of these words can be interpreted to mean rulers or authority, power, force, strength, might. Those are, those are all similar words, and that's why I'm saying I just don't think you can, you can make too much out of all this business about ranks and names and regional forces. And I think it's okay to be aware of it, but just don't get caught up in that. There are have power over them, whatever rank or regional area they are or any of that, I think you'll be in pretty good shape. So he is before all things and in him all things consist. That word consist means to be composed of, to be or become composed of many parts into a cohesive and enduring whole to unite or collect or combine, to hold together, to approve the creation. It was, it was good, you know, to consist. You think about that. In him, all things consist. He puts it all together. He holds it all together. He keeps it together. It's all about him and what he did, and it's good. All this... This business about him being ruler over all, that's part of that because all things consist in him. I mean, he is over all. All things combined. You take all the forces of darkness, all these principalities and powers and dominions and thrones, and you put them all together, and it's, it's just drop, a, drop in the bucket compared to his rule and reign and power. Because he created all that. 
Because he created it, he is over it. And in him, all things exist and consist. Without him, everything would just fall apart. You know, without Jesus, um, the force of gravity would not be in effect. That's what the Bible says. In him, all things are held together. And so if we didn't have Jesus, you know, you and I would be flying off the earth, you know, because the, the earth is spinning around and we'd all just, you know, these chairs and everything would just be going. We'd, we'd be like Dorothy, you know, the, the whole building would be flying off. In him, all things consist. Sometimes we have such a limited view of God that we, we miss out on, on the finer points of understanding how much power and authority is available to us. Because we just we look at God and, and we look at our situations in life and I think most of us accept way, way less than what God wants for us. And uh, it's because historically we've gotten less than what we think we're supposed to get. And so in our minds, it's like, well, that's just the way it works. That's the way it works in this life. You're not going to get everything your way. You know, it's not Burger King. You don't get it your way. And I'll tell you, it doesn't matter if it's Burger King or Wendy's or any of them. You know, if you go in there and you tell them, I want it this way, this way, and this way, you know, good luck. You know, you're just going to get what you get because that's the way life is. You don't get everything your way. But on the other hand, if you expect everything to be crummy and messed up and broken and you're always going to be short and every month you're going, to be, you're going to be out of cash before you're out a month and every time you go to the doctor it's going to be some horrible report or every time uh, you know, the phone rings, it's like, oh no, what is it now? I mean, you know, if that's the way you live your life, you are bringing a lot of that on yourself because you're just accepting everything, everything that comes to you. The principle of choosing life or death, blessing or cursing, it's, it's still true. I mean, if your attitude is, I choose life, then you're hopeful. You're expecting God to do the things that he said he would do. If you're choosing death, you're not really going to be all that happy, probably. And your attitude and your heart makes a bigger difference in your everyday life than the actual circumstances of your life. Because you can have sickness in your body, you can have a, a limit in your finances, you can have problems out the wazoo, and if you are walking in the full faith and hope and joy of the Lord and God's peace is keeping your heart and mind, you're not going to be going around thinking you're defeated. You're going to be going around thinking, how great is my God. Sing with me how great. You know, that's, it's all in your heart. Your circumstances may not change at all, but if your heart is talking about God's goodness and greatness, then your circumstances really don't bother you that much. That's the key. The key is for us to, to have our heart in tune with him and for us to see God as he is and know him as he is and know his ways and not get involved with trying to figure out, 
all the details of everything. And why is this not working out? And why do I not ever seem to get anything different or better? Just get your eyes on the Lord. Choose life. Choose blessing. Begin to expect God to do good things. I promise you, if you'll do that, you'll begin to see good things happen in your life more than you'll see bad. Now, the enemy is still going to try to bring death and destruction because that's what he does. But every now and then, you need to just stop and you say, all right, I'm putting you back down there where you belong. I'm subduing you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I'm taking control and I'm saying, okay, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to believe the lies and deception anymore. I'm going to move forward with what God says about my life and my ability to walk in the abundant life. Jesus is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, you may not know this, but there was a, there was a weird teaching that went on during this time period that Paul was addressing the Colossians. It was called Gnosticism, and there was a form of that that was going on there. And basically, it was a... a a mixture of philosophy and religion. And so the ones that, that were Gnostics, they believed that everything and everybody had something divine in them, but they didn't believe anybody had at all. And so specifically how that affected the Colossian church was that they didn't believe that Jesus was fully God. They thought he was a good guy and that he had some of the divine influence in him, just like you know, rocks and trees and, and you know, water and air. That's all got God in it too, according to them. And so they were saying in order to really, you know, win and be successful, you can't just say, I believe in Jesus. You've got to be really smart and you've got to learn all these things. You've got to do all these things. You have to be acting and doing right. And, and when you are smart enough and you've done enough, then you can begin to rule and reign and have all these things happen in your life that you're saying that you can have by faith. And so Paul was addressing all that, and he was telling them, you got it all wrong. You're, you're seeing Jesus as limited, and we need to be seeing him as unlimited. We need to be seeing him as God overall. He is the head, the leader, a person who is in charge, understood as a head which is the uppermost part of the body. The loss of the head destroys life. You cut off the head and the body dies, right? So the head is real significant to life. It's often in Scripture, it's used as, uh, as a way of talking about capital punishment. The head, you know, this is going to come on your head. You know, all these bad things you're saying about me, they're going to come back on your head. God is going to bring this on your head. He's going to bring judgment on our head. Those are ways of describing a capital punishment. Basically, it's death. It's coming on your head because if you kill the head, the body dies. Everybody understands that. So Jesus is the head of the body. And as the head... He can't be killed, and so the body can't be killed either. The church, 
the body of Christ, the living organism that we are part of, we cannot be killed. We can be, we can be abused a little bit, and we can be uh, discouraged if we allow discouragement to come. But Jesus is the head, and he cannot be killed. And we are his body, and if he can't kill the head, and the head is over the body, then he can't kill us either. The body is the entire structure of an organism. Slaves, which are, uh, it actually, uh, it was used, this word is used as a, uh, a way of describing a shadow in relation to the thing. It's not, the thing casts a shadow, and so the shadow is not the thing, but, but the body is, is, the shadow of the thing. That's a, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a crazy uh, deal there, but if you understand that it's distinguished from the shadow itself, the root word of the, the word body is sozo, which means to save or heal or deliver, make whole. So the body word is soma, and it comes from sozo. Soma is that which casts a shadow as distinguished from the shadow itself. So the, the body is what casts the shadow, and the shadow is not the body. But so everywhere we go as the body of Christ, we're casting a shadow. And we're actually not casting like a, a shaded thing, we're casting light. We are casting something out of us that distinguishes, it's not, it's not uh, us, but it is what comes out of us. The light comes out of us. The church is the ecclesia. It's all believers across the world. It's understood as if a singular assembly. Sometimes it's referring to the believers throughout all time. It comes from two root words. Ek, meaning primary. Uh, it's a primary preposition denoting origin, place, or time, or cause. And kaleo, to call or invite, or to give a name to. So, if you think about that, the ecclesia, it would be the, uh, the called out ones, the ones that have been given a name, and they've been called their origin and time or place or cause. Think about that. So the body of Christ, we've been called out, and the origin of that calling is in Christ, at the cross, through his blood. He was able to call us out as his body, a representation of him. He is the body and he's casting the shadow in us. He is making us like him. We are his image. I like that to give a name to because the body of Christ, we have his name stamped on us, but but it's more than that. It's not just a name, but it is the name. The name that is the name that's above all names. We're coming back to the same idea that we have authority and power to operate in the name of Jesus. And as his body, we have the name that we can operate in, the name that's above all names. He is the beginning that word is uh, arche. 
And arche is ruler. And that's one of the words that is used for uh, rulers and principalities and powers and those sort of things. So he is the beginning. He is the ruler, the first. An agent that causes, that is the cause of something but does not itself have the cause. So Jesus was the beginning, but he didn't have a beginning. <laughs> He's always been. And that's kind of hard to get your mind around that, but, uh, but that's the significance of him being the beginning is that he didn't have a beginning. He is the beginning. And he is the firstborn from the dead. The dead are people who are no longer living. That's pretty, uh, pretty obvious. Properly, it is without life, lifeless. Metaphorically, it's spiritually dead. It's inactive as respects to doing right or, or being destitute of power. Lifeless or destitute of power. Inoperative. I think I was inoperative at one point in my life before I knew Jesus. I was destitute of power. I was lifeless. I thought I was alive. I thought I was cool. I thought I understood things. But that's, that's what happens. The Bible says that um, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is just going to end up being the same old death and destruction. And so he has become the firstborn of the dead. We don't have to be lifeless anymore. We don't have to be inoperative anymore. And we don't have to be without power anymore because he has made us alive. That in all things he may have the preeminence. And that word preeminence is to be first, to become, to be or become ranking above all others, to have superior status. So worship team, you guys can come back. And, um, and so I just want to want to leave that as the last thing that Christ would have the preeminence, the preeminence. He would supersede all that he would be supreme over every and all other beings, every and all other thoughts or attitudes, every and all other um, expressions, that he would be preeminent in all those things. If we see him as preeminent, then we ought to be able to have faith because there would be no reason to not have faith. If he is overall and he is supreme in every aspect of our life that we know or can even think or dream about, then why can't we believe him? How about this year, 2021? How about we begin to step out in faith and say, I'm going to believe in a God that is bigger, greater, and more than I ever have before. I'm going to begin to see God as the preeminent he is preeminent. He is supreme over everything. And I'm going to begin to see him that way. And if we'll do that, I promise your life will change for the better. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect because there are ups and downs. You know, there were struggles. There's always struggles. In this life, you will have struggles. But be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. I have subdued the world. I have put my foot on all 
of the principalities and powers that represent the things in this world. And I've said, we are going to be victorious. That's what God is saying to you. This year is a chance for us to say, I'm going to see God in a new way. I'm going to see God as, as bigger and greater and more powerful. And I'm going to expect him to be all those things in my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to stand still in my, in my attitude and see the salvation of God. But in my physical activities, I'm going to go, go, go. I'm going to go after it with all the gusto that I can because the days are few and the time is short and we need to live our lives with enthusiasm and excitement. We need to be about the Father's business. We need to be doing the things that he's called us to do and not be worrying about all the things that we can't control. Amen. What we can control is our own heart and mind and the things in our sphere of influence. We can do that because... We serve a great big God. Amen. So, Lord, I pray as we worship you now that you would cause us to, to see you as the one who rules and reigns over everything, to see that all those principalities and powers and dominions and thrones, those things are all under your feet, Thank and you are far above all those things. You're not just a little bit above. You're yes. far above. Amen. We want to see you that way and not limit you in our heart and mind, not limit you in our daily lives. But if you say, go talk to that person, we wouldn't be afraid, but we would be bold and we would go speak with that person. Mm -hmm. If you tell us to lay hands on someone and pray for them, Lord, cause us to be bold and know that you are the one that heals, that you are the one that saves, you're the one that delivers, and we just need to be obedient. So help us, Lord, to step out and be obedient to you this year so that we can see your hand and your power operating in our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
I choose to give my yes to you today, Lord. And every morning, I want to wake up with a heart that is filled with enthusiasm, serving you and walking with you and seeing, what are you going to do today, Lord? Cause me every day to wake up and say, today is a day that can represent a new time in my life. Your mercies are new. Today is an opportunity to obey in more areas. Today is an opportunity to to hear your voice more clearly. Today is a day to walk in the fullness of your salvation. Today, I choose to say yes to you. Lord, I thank you that this is a new year, a new opportunity to get it right. For those of us that, that recognize our flaws and failings, Lord, I want to I forget those things that are behind, and I want to look forward to the mark the prize, I want to press in and press toward you, that calling that you've put in my life, Lord, so that I would not, I would not dwell on the past, that I'd not fret over the future, but I would just press into you and say yes to you in every part of my life, in Jesus' name. Joel, we're going to go back to Battle Belongs. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. 
So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be?
Lord. That's our acknowledgement this morning that the battle belongs to you. Yes. And I pray for me personally, Lord, that you'd challenge my heart so that, that I would see that, I would know that, I would operate in that every day, and that I would not let anything distract me from the understanding that the battle belongs to you. And all the things that I don't like in my life, I can choose to grumble and complain and be frustrated and angry and bitter, or I can choose to acknowledge that the battle belongs to you and you've already won it, and I'm going to take authority and power to operate in the kingdom and do business in the name of the king who has preeminence over all. I choose, Lord. I choose life. I choose to remember the battle belongs to you. And you have already won the victory. And this year, Lord, help us to walk in that victory. Help us to walk in that knowledge, knowing that the battle is yours. Lord, I want to always be quick, be dressed for battle to go to the battle, be engaged, but I also want to always remember that it's you that wins the battle. I just need to be engaged in it. The Lord, stir us, change us this year, cause us to rise up and be the body of Christ, filled with warriors in the kingdom that would do business in the name of the King. We would do battle in your name, Lord. When we go to battle, we'll remember that the battle is yours. Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed. Have a great week. Come back Wednesday. Join us for Awana and for prayer. Don't forget, God is still on the throne. No matter what man says, no matter what Changes may be coming. God is still God, and He doesn't change. And we're going to walk in victory as His people because we are the people of God. He is the head over all. I thank you, Lord, that that is a truth that we're going to learn to walk this year.